Welcome to the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, where we celebrate the achievements of Caribbean people to inspire the next generation. I'm your host, Curlis Phillip, bringing you a new series that spotlights Caribbean authors. In this series, I will introduce you to authors from across the Caribbean diaspora who are bringing our stories and culture to the forefront. It will share helpful tips for those of you that are interested in learning what it takes to become an author, and you may even find a title or two that pique your interest. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Shakira Bourne. Shakira is an award-winning Bayesian author and filmmaker based in Barbados. She once shot a movie scene in a cave with bats during an earthquake, but is too scared to watch horror movies. Shakira's Caribbean middle-grade fantasy, Josephine Against the Sea, was published by Scholastic in 2021 and received starred reviews in Kirkus and Booklist and was a school library journal best book of 2021. Shakira, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. We're so happy to have you here today. So let's dive right in. So who are some of your favorite authors as a young child? That is such a great question to start. I grew up reading a lot of Enid Blyton books, Nancy Drew books, Hardy Boys. And I think that's the same for a lot of people in my generation. Those were the books that flooded the market. So I remember enjoying the mystery. I remember enjoying the adventure of the famous spies when they, they would go off and solve some mystery and catch some villain. And I remember being very excited about by those books. And later on, I started to read <laughs> books that are way too advanced for me at that age because I remember I was maybe about nine years old when I started reading Mills and Boom books. Mm. And I only started reading Mills and Boom books because the library ran out of kids' books for me to read. That's how fast I was going through these books. And so I started to read historical romance at that age. And then I moved on to like um, mysteries um, like James Patterson and those type of books. So if I am thinking about authors who really inspired me later on in my career, the first person that comes to mind is Olive Senior. Um, who is an author from Jamaica. And that is because she, her work, Summer Lightning, was the first book that I read that actually featured uh, people and landscapes and dialect that were similar to my experience. So I think her work gave me permission to write Caribbean. That's awesome. And so when did you discover your passion for writing? Another great question. So remember I said that um, I ran out of books to read in the library. So I didn't have any stories to read. So I decided to create my own while I was waiting for the library to acquire new purchases. And so at that same age, nine years old, I remember I started to write what is essentially <laughs> Sweet Valley High fan fiction <laughs> because I remember writing about cheerleaders and there was a competition and there was a lot of jealousy and murder. Like, yeah, that stuff was going on in my head at nine years old. <laughs> the thing is, I wouldn't call it a passion then. You know, I just knew that I had all these stories and these adventures in my head and, you know, writing them down seemed to be the natural thing to do. So um, I would say that 
I, I felt as if writing was just a hobby until I was not able to do it. Like I remember I got my first job and I did not have the time to write. And that's when I realized how much I missed it. So you started out writing sort of part-time. Um, at what point did you decide to become a full-time writer and why? It's interesting that you say it was part-time because at that time, it just was, it just never occurred to me that writing could be a job. So it was, it's like a hobby. It, I didn't consider it part-time anything. So what happened um, after I got my first job, I decided to enroll in a creative writing class because I missed writing so much. And that was a class by George Laming, who recently passed, I think last week, the famous Barbadian writer. So I went to his classes and he inspired me to write Caribbean. He, you know, to read widely. And I started to write more coming out of that class. And when I decided, I think six months after I did that class, I decided to quit my job and start writing full-time. So there was no transition from part-time to full-time. I went from hobby to, to this thing being my profession, which is something I would not recommend. <laughs> I, I would not recommend to other people because I didn't give it any thought. Like in terms of planning, I didn't think about, you know, how how to get clients, how to market my business. I just decided that I was up and going to quit my job and I was just going to write. I didn't know what type of writing it was, if it was copywriting, screenplays. I knew nothing, but I just decided to dive <laughs> headfirst into this. It's almost like you found your, your calling. <laughs> um, and that was definitely a bold, I will say very bold move. So you are a brave soul. <laughs> Yeah, I would not recommend it, but obviously I don't regret it because I haven't had a full-time job since since that time. So who do you write for and how do you want your audience to feel after reading your books? I would say that I write for Caribbean people, I write for Bajan people. And, and that is solely because I did not see myself in the stories that I read growing up, not until I went to um, secondary school and was able to read more Caribbean writers. So I think about what I would have loved to read growing up. So like, um, I want to see Nazi Drew solve mysteries, you know, on the island. I want readers who read my work to feel seen. And I think, I think that's the most important thing, that they would recognize a place, recognize a personality, because you now Caribbean people are really distinct. <laughs> uh, we're really distinct. So I just want them to have um, a moment of recognition and then later on, obviously, I want people to be entertained and also educated by the work. And when you think about your audience, tell us who they are. Um, I would say first off will be Barbadian, Caribbean people, um, Caribbean people in diaspora. But to be honest, I think that my audience is anyone who loves a good story. I may write for Caribbean people, but the emotions and the issues that I deal with in my work and any, any writer deals with in their work is something that a lot of people should be able to empathize with, you know, it's the emotions that you're writing, you're writing about joy, happiness, love, and people in general should be able to, you know, recognize those emotions in themselves. So I think that anyone who loves a good story would enjoy the work, but I think People who love a good story about their culture would enjoy it even more. 
Yeah, there's definitely been a rise of Caribbean authors, and we just weren't exposed to that growing up, right? I think it's so exciting. Um, the kids right now would never know how fortunate they are to have these stories and these books available widely right now. And I'm talking about Caribbean stories of, that showcase a range of issues that showcase both joy and trauma. You know, it's not one particular theme that's being repeated. You have a wide breadth of, of books to choose from. And I just, I just find that so exciting. And are there specific themes that you focus on in your writing? Um, no, um, it really depends on the story. That's the truth. Um, I find a lot of my work is set in the Caribbean. I enjoy folklore <laughs> type stories. I do like examining social issues. So um, in some collections for adults, I would talk about, you know, human trafficking, the evils of tourism. <laughs> um, you know, for kids, I would talk about, you know, friendships and um, finding themselves and, and becoming an adult. So it really depends on the story. So I generally don't restrict myself at all when it comes to um, themes. And Shakira, do you have any writing quirks? I do. <laughs> um, I think the main one that comes to mind right now is I find it very difficult to write on a full stomach. <laughs> so for that reason, I normally schedule a lot of my writing early in the morning before I have breakfast or before you know I have a heavy meal because after I eat my productivity just plummets so so um yeah you would find me writing in the morning simply because I am so much more productive when I don't have food around me and I also need silence to write like if I start playing music I would start singing and dancing and no work would <laughs> no work would be done so I need like dead silence or maybe the sound of the ocean or something like that to write. Yeah, I do some writing as well um, in my job. And same here. Um, I definitely, well, maybe not thinking about it from a food perspective. I definitely <laughs> think that I am more like charged and energized in the mornings um, yes. than later on in the day. So it might take me. I don't know, uh, five minutes to write a paragraph in the morning and 30 minutes by the end of the yes. day. So I, I definitely can relate. Tell us about your early works and how did you get them published? Okay, so I started off writing short stories and these were adult literary short stories. So a lot of the advice I was given was to submit them to journals, um, literary journals. So I remember I would write these short stories and I would send them out. So my early publishing credits came from journals like Arts Etc. in Barbados, Caribbean Writer, um, Journal of Caribbean Literatures. Those are the ones that I remember having early acceptances for and <laughs> really squealing. But another thing that really helped with the publication of the work was entering competitions, writing competitions. I am very competitive. So um, I love the thrill of writing for a particular purpose and for a particular deadline and then waiting to see if you are actually successful. So um, we have a local competition here called NIFCA, which is the National Independence of Cre Festival of Creative Arts. And there's a literary component in there. So every year I would write three or four stories to submit to NIFCA to see if it got any awards. Um, the Commonwealth Short Story Competition was another competition that I would make sure I enter every year. 
So um, that's really how I started out until I actually decided to self-publish a collection of short stories. And I did that at the time um, on Amazon. Um, it was Create Space before it became Amazon. Um, but yeah, I decided to publish that collection of short stories because my short stories were in so many different journals that when people would ask where they could read my work, I could see their eyes glaze over when they started naming all the different journals they would have to, you know? So I was like, no, let me just get a collection and put it out there. And, um, that honestly, I did not expect such a great response to that collection. Um, so I'm very happy that I decided to do that. Yeah, and it sounds like the competition is a great way to put yourself out there, get noticed, get some recognition under your belt. And I guess as a um, up and coming writer, it definitely helps to validate all the hard work that went into the stories that you were telling. I'm sure, right? It definitely does, and it gives you that confidence, you know, because you're never sure how your work is going to be received, especially. As a beginning writer, when you don't maybe have um, people around you that would give honest feedback. So submitting to these competitions, especially competitions that may not be based in the Caribbean. So, you know, you're dealing with an international audience. And then if you get any validation at all from that, it really helps to your confidence. And well, for me, and it helped me to create even more stories. So you mentioned, you know, you started out self-publishing and then you landed a, a book deal. So yes. how did you land your first book deal? I'm going to try to keep this story short because <laughs> has, there's so many different moving pieces, but I'm going to be concise. So um, remember I said I love competitions. So I remember um, there was there's this award called the Burt Award for Caribbean Literature. It was um, very popular in, as part of the Bocas Lit Fest Awards in Trinidad. And um, they had a kid lit, it was a kid lit competition. And at that time, I had never written for kids before, but it was a competition. <laughs> and I had three weeks with nothing to do. Um, a project had just been canceled. So I decided that I would write a kid's book for this particular competition. So I wrote uh, what um, was My Fishy Stepmom, uh, my first book, and I submitted it. And then I realized that I really enjoyed the story because it was my also my first time writing fantasy as well, because before I would, you know, focus on literary fiction um, and realism. So it was my first time doing fantasy. And I remember thinking, hmm, this story may have a wider appeal Um internationally so I googled how to get an agent because at the time I remember hearing that you need a, a literary agent to get a book deal in the United States I literally googled how to get an agent and um that is a long process and I invite anyone to go to my blog <laughs> and read about how I got my agent but after I signed with my agent about a week before I signed with my agent I found out that I was a finalist for the BERT competition, which meant that my book would be published in the Caribbean. So about the time that I got my first indie book deal, I signed with an agent. And then she sold the book to Scholastic in the US maybe about eight months later. So um, that also is a long story about how I got that part of the book deal. <laughs> but that's essentially it. Um, I thank you to Google and a lot of luck and good timing. 
Yeah, definitely. Google is one of my best friends too, <laughs> because you can find just <laughs> yes. about anything on Google. Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of people thought that maybe I had a connect, a previous connection or something. I knew no one in the U.S. publishing industry except maybe one Barbadian author, Karen Lord. But I knew nothing about the process. I literally started with a Google search. Now, you mentioned that, you know, she sold the book to Scholastic. So tell us a little bit about what that means for someone who's not familiar um, with that process. Scholastic is a major publisher. They publish Hunger Games books, Harry Potter books, the same um, R.L. Stein books I, I didn't mention, but those were also books that I read growing up. So it was mind-blowing to me that the publisher of the books that I would have read when I was a kid and books and series that I love would actually be considering publishing my story set in Barbados about a Barbadian girl. There are no Americans in the book at all. So um, it was mind-blowing to know that they loved the story enough that they definitely wanted to take a chance on it. It was a bit of a process because with Scholastic, they um, specialize in children's literature. So it, it was not just one person who had to say, yes, I would like to give you a book deal. You know, it is about four or five different departments that all had to approve the book. So it's editorial, is marketing, is accounts, is the finance. So each person had to say, yes, we think that this is a worthy investment and we would like you to make an offer onto this author. So it is a, a very big deal, especially for a person who is still living in Barbados. So, you know, I did not leave the Caribbean to be successful in this deal. So honestly, I think it was life-changing. That's the best way to put it. It was life-changing at the time. Yeah, I'm familiar with Scholastic. I mean, as a kid, I had books by them. So I know that this is major. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so give us a brief synopsis of um, Josephine Against the Sea and tell us what inspired you to write that story. Okay, um, so I'm going to start with the inspiration. In English class, um, our English teacher decided to read us a story from a Caribbean short story collection. And this is really important because at the time, this book was not on the syllabus, but he wanted us to get a more in-depth knowledge and experience of, of Caribbean authors. So the story he read was about a fisherman who became obsessed with a mermaid. And um, the fisherman would watch her comb her hair on a rock. And he started to obsess with this mermaid. He stopped eating. He stopped caring for his family. And then one day his clothes were found by the riverbank and neither he nor the mermaid were ever seen again. And I remember thinking, hold on, what happened to that fisherman? I need to know. Like, you can't just tell me the story has ended. This will not do. And I remember just wondering, did he have family? Did people try to look for him? So when um, I decided to write the kid's book for Bert, the Bert Award, my book became the answer to those questions. So Josephine Against the Sea is about uh, an 11-year-old um, wannabe cricketer, Josephine, who is very overprotective of her dad since her mom died. And so she creates booby traps to scare all his potential girlfriends away. <laughs> and her tricks work until he brings home a new catch, this jewelry vendor called Maurice. And unlike the other women, she does not scare easily. 
So Josephine knows there's something fishy about Maurice, but she never expected that Maurice would not be human. So this book combines my love of adventure, is humorous, and then it's um, based on Caribbean folklore. So that essentially is Josephine Against the Sea, also published as My Fishy Stepmom in the Caribbean. Wow, what an incredible story. And that's interesting how you said, you know what, this story that I had heard felt incomplete. So let me complete it. I know I belong to a book club and sometimes we have um, books that we read where we feel like a character wasn't fully developed or that there could be an entire book written on one or two of the characters in the book. So kudos to you for doing that. Kudos to the teacher as well, because it's so important what our kids read and what kind of literature we expose kids to, because if he had not decided to read that story, then, you know, I would not have written this book. Yes, for sure. And you've written both adult fiction as well as children's book. Is there a genre that you enjoy the most? That's like asking me to choose between my children. <laughs> um, I normally tell people that short fiction is my soulmate and screenwriting, writing movies is my outside lover. But um, I love writing for kids so much. It brings me a lot of joy. So I guess you can say writing for kids is like my love child. <laughs> so um, I don't have a favorite Um but I would say for right now, writing kid lit brings me the most pleasure because those kids really melt your heart with fan letters and you, they're so adorable. And, you know, so like you really can't beat that feedback. So, you know, it doesn't matter about the awards or about sales, like getting those emails and those drawings from kids saying how much they enjoyed the work and how much they loved it is honestly the best. I bet. Shakira, how did publishing your first book influence your um, writing process? Oh, so, so that's a great question. So as I mentioned, I wrote short stories. And even as a short story writer, my stories were really short. They were like 2000 words and nothing more. So it did not occur to me that I could write so much words <laughs> to have a book until I started doing um, screenwriting and I would write full-length movies. So when I had to write Josephine Against the Sea, the novel, I decided to plan the story and structure the story like I would a screenplay, just in terms of making the story easier to write. And like, um, you know, it's like breaking up an entire novel into little short stories. You know, every chapter is a short story. So um, I would say that writing Josephine Against the Sea changed my writing in terms of the structure and how I would have the um, plot unfold or a character unfold. And what lessons have you learned on your journey as an author? So the first story that I wrote, yes, I was nine years old, but it was still <laughs> my first story. It was Sweet Valley High fan fiction. And I wrote about cheerleaders with blonde hair and blue eyes and, you know, because that is why I was reading. And I think the, the main thing that I've learned is the importance of telling your own story and writing first what you know, you know, um, trying to train rather than copying what is already out there um, is learning to embrace and understand that your unique story is important and people are willing to read it because I find maybe people don't have the confidence 
to write a story set in their island or about their family because they think that other people want to be able to um, understand it, you know, or they have doubts about the story. That's not the case. And I think, as you said, with the rise of Caribbean books that are getting major book deals right now, you see that our stories are valid and people want to read them, you know? So um, that's something that I learned for sure. Um, And even in terms of writing dialect for a long time, I was worried that people would think that I didn't know how to spell or I didn't know grammar, you know? Um, it took me a very long time to embrace writing Barbadian dialect in my book. And, you know, Josephine Against the Sea is published with Scholastic, a major U.S. publisher. And there's so much dialect in that book, which I was never asked to change, you know. So I think it's more confidence that I have learned. And also that writing is revision because a lot of people, I think, don't complete a story because they expect it to be perfect the first time you write or the first, on the first draft, not realizing that, you know, the really good writing happens in revision. And a lot of time, the first draft is you telling the story to yourself, not that it's supposed to be a finished book. That's really powerful. And one thing that stuck out to me was just being authentic, right, in, in telling your story and I know I'm tickled when I read a book by a Caribbean author and um, there's the patois, the dialect. I don't know, just like it, there's this warmth that come over me. But then when, you know, when you think about your, your childhood and you're reading books of faraway lands, it take you to those places. So think about people from other countries reading your book. It brings them to the Caribbean, if not they're physically just, you know, in their mind. And who knows, that might inspire them to travel there. So I 100% agree with you that your story should come from a place of authenticity. If you had to do something different as a teenager to become a better writer as an adult, what would you do? I guess I would have tried to take writing more seriously um, a bit earlier. Although I, I do believe that everything happens in its time and I wouldn't change um, how my career unfolded, but um, I wish that I had realized the opportunities. You know, we always tell people about um, having a job as a, a lawyer or a doctor, you know, but, you know, you can be very successful as an author. And I wish that somebody had told me that earlier. What advice would you give to young aspiring writers? So I always say that a professional writer is an amateur who didn't quit. That's a quote. And I find that very reassuring because I would just say not to give up. And if you know that there's a story inside of you that you want to tell, tell it and get honest feedback and improve. That's great advice. So Shakira, what does literary success look like to you? I think literary success to me is being able to live and write the story you want to write. And I think um, if one day I could decide that I'm going to tell a story about talking goats (laughs) and I know that someone is ready to buy and that I am able to support my family from that random idea, that would be the hurry success to me. However, that's just to me, you know, (laughs) 
because literary success could be just finishing a novel for someone and that's a great achievement as well. So Shakira, what are some of your upcoming projects? So right now I'm working on another middle grade fantasy for Scholastic. They bought two more books for me. So I'm really excited that I get to have three middle grade Caribbean folklore books out. So this um, particular project is a horror story and I am featuring Dwens. It's about a filmmaker who follows her family to a haunted island and finds out that it's surrounded by Dwens who are, which are, who are ch- children who died before they're baptized, right? So that's um, Trinidadian folklore that I'm delving into. And I'm also connecting the story to tracing your roots and finding your ancestry. So I think that it will be very interesting (laughs) when it comes out. That's coming out in 2023. It definitely sounds intriguing. Complete this sentence. I feel unstoppable when. I feel unstoppable when I embrace fear. I can explain that. Yes, please do. I have realized that whenever I feel fear, it means that my life is going to change in a big way. And in my past experience, it has always had a positive impact on my career or personal life. So whenever I feel fear now, I get excited because I'm like, okay, something is about to happen. That's powerful. Shakira, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. It was nice to chat. And thank you so much for supporting Caribbean authors. Always. So where can our guests connect with you? So I'm on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, my handle is at Shakira Writes. That's S-H-A-K-I-R-A-H Writes. So definitely connect with me there and you will find updates about future books and appearances and everything else. Thank you. To our Unstoppable Yes You Tribe, Thanks for your continued support. And don't forget to check out more stories about Caribbean impact makers, rising stars, and trailblazers at unstoppableyesu.com.